Good morning. Today's reading is from the book of Romans. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks, to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. You guys ready? Ready for a Bible study? Good to have you with us. Welcome to Desert Breeze Community Church. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 1. We're looking at verses 1 through 17. I love brand new years. This is a new year. I'm excited about this new year. I'm excited about this brand new teaching series. If you're having a bad day or a bad week or a bad year thus far, if you got up on the wrong side of the bed this morning, we're about ready to fix that right now. We're going to talk about how the gospel changes everything. I'm not into New Year's resolutions, but I'm into gospel transformation because the gospel will transform every part of your life. And uh, as we work our way through the book of Romans this new year, Transformed by the Gospel is the title of this uh, weekend's message, Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. Let me start with a quote Martin Luther, founder of Protestantism, maybe you don't know this, but in the 1500s, there was something that happened in him as he pushed away from the Roman Catholic Church. He was completely transformed. We're Protestants because of a lot of his actions and what he encountered at that moment. He writes about it here uh, later on in his life. 
Uh, he tells a story here, and it was in the preface of one of his collections of writings. He wrote of a great experience he had. It's, it's also called the Tower Experience. And as a young man, it all had to do with Romans, the book we're, we're diving into, book of Romans, and specifically Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Those were the last two verses that we read this morning. If that's all you had, and you meditated and memorized those verses, I'm telling you, that will rock your world. It will transform your life. Those two verses, you've got the characteristics of the gospel, and you've got the content of the gospel, the essence of the gospel, what the gospel is all about. That's what transformed his life. Listen to what he says. I greatly long to understand Paul's epistle to the Romans, and nothing stood in the way but that one expression the justice of God, because I took it to mean that justice whereby God is just and deals justly in punishing the unjust. My situation was that although I'm an impeccable monk, I stood before God as a sinner troubled in conscience, and I had no confidence that my merit, that is my good works, would satisfy Him. Therefore, I did not love a just and angry God, but rather hated and murmured against Him. Night and day, I pondered until I saw the connection between the justice of God and the statement that the just shall live by his faith. That was the last text that we read this morning. He's quoting, uh, Paul is quoting from Habakkuk 2.4, Old Testament text, powerful. The just shall live by his faith. Then I grasped that through gift and sure mercy. God justifies us through faith. In other words, we're made right with God through faith. Thereupon, I felt myself to be born again and to have gone through open doors into paradise. When I saw that, I broke through. He had a breakthrough in his life. My prayer for you in 2023 is that you have a breakthrough in your understanding and application of the gospel unlike you've ever experienced before. I'm telling you, it will transform your life. It's not a better way to start the year than to dive deep into the understanding of the gospel as presented to us through the book of Romans. And so take a look at your sermon notes here, part of the intro. If the gospel isn't the most amazing thing you have ever heard, then you haven't heard it. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe you've heard it, but you haven't really heard it until it goes down deep into your heart and it transforms your life. That's, that's an understanding of the gospel. Nothing will transform your heart, heal a wounded soul, satisfy our deepest longings, turn hatred into love, and bring about repentance, forgiveness, and reconciliation like the gospel. Whatever the capacity for human sin and suffering, whatever you're going through, whatever difficulties you're facing, whatever demands you're up against, whatever you're struggling with, I'm telling you, I'm telling you the gospel is greater than all of your highs and lows, anything that you ever face. Whatever the capacity for human sin and suffering, the gospel gives us a greater capacity Listen, a greater capacity. I know this personally. I've experienced this. Many of you have experienced this. I know you have. Whatever the capacity for human sin and suffering, the gospel gives us greater capacity for healing, health, wholeness, holiness. Yes, 
Praise God for the gospel. You guys believe that? Okay. I just want to make sure you, you didn't seem too excited. You were kind of like a deer caught in the headlights there just for a moment. It's like, this guy's crazy. I am crazy. I'm crazy over the gospel. That's what I'm crazy about. I want you to be crazy over the gospel. I want you to know the gospel, experience the gospel. 1 Peter 1.12, it's on your notes, not the verse, but the, the address. And it's an interesting verse. Peter says that angels long to look into the things of the gospel. The word long is... Uh, Epithumia, it's a hyper desire. They have this hyper desire, long. They long to look into to the things of the gospel. Now think about this. Angels, angels are a lot older than us, obviously, and they're brilliant beings who have been who have seen God face to face. And yet what he's saying here is that they can't get enough of the gospel. Angels never get tired of looking into the gospel. Why is that? Why is that? Because the gospel is endlessly fascinating. It's forever captivating. It's never boring. That's why I'm so excited because this is my favorite topic is the gospel. The gospel, the glory of God, the presence of God. Oh my goodness. Those are, those are my top, top favorite topics. And, so, and, and, and Romans is all about the gospel all about the gospel. That's the agenda of Paul here in this. Listen, the gospel, it's not the ABCs of the Christian faith, and then you move on beyond the gospel. No, no, you never move on. You never move beyond. You only go deeper. You go deeper into the gospel. Better yet, the gospel has to go deeper into you to where you begin to experience Christ unlike you've ever experienced him before, and he will transform your life. You never go beyond the gospel. You only go deeper into the gospel. It is not only the way you begin in Christ, but also grow in Christ. It is the solution to every one of your problems. It is the solution to every one of your problems. Here's our problem, is gospel amnesia. We forget what we have in Christ. There's that gospel gap that begins to happen in our life. Our spirituality and our reality, we've got this gap. What we believe and how we behave. But when those begin to narrow and we begin to experience more of the gospel, it will transform every part of our life. Let me say it again. It is the solution to every one of, every one of your problems. So before we dive in, we've got to pray. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and ears so that, so that it will transform our lives. So it'll transform our lives. Because I need transformation. I know you need transformation. And so let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? So Father God, thank you for your presence. We, we love your presence. In your presence is fullness of joy. And as we embark upon this new year and this new teaching series through the book of Romans, may we have a breakthrough, a breakthrough in our understanding and application of the gospel unlike we have ever known before transform our hearts, heal our wounded souls, and satisfy our deepest longings. We pray in Jesus' beautiful and glorious name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Okay, so here we go. A life transformed by the gospel. Let me show you where we're headed. You can see your notes in front of you. If you didn't get a set of notes, you need to make sure you grab some before you go because this, there's a lot of stuff here, and you need to be thinking about this throughout the week. And uh, the, the Christianity is not about a morally restrained will. 
It's about a supernaturally transformed heart. God wants to transform your heart. And even after you become a Christian, he continues to transform us. He doesn't stop changing us as we continue to walk with him in vital union and communion with our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so you're going to grab those, but let me just show you where, we're, where we are. A life transformed by the gospel will revolve around the gospel. We see that in the Apostle Paul in verses 1 through 7. And then next we see that a life transformed by the gospel will not only revolve around the gospel or will be gospel-centered, but will reveal the gospel in word and deed. And we see Paul doing that in verses 8 through 15. And then at the very end, you'll see on your notes, we have the gospel in a nutshell. And we have the characteristics of the gospel in verse 16. And then we have the content of the gospel in verse 17. You need to know the gospel. If I were to come up to you and say, well, what's the gospel? You could just quote verses 16 and 17. Powerful verses. Absolutely powerful. So that's where we're headed with this. So let's start. A life transformed by the gospel will revolve around the gospel. Here's your first fill in the blank on your notes. The gospel is what my whole life should be about. Now, anytime you study a book, you ask basically three questions. You want to understand the context, the context of the book. So who, who's the um, author? Who's the audience? What's his agenda? We know the agenda is the gospel. And we know the uh, audience is the church in Rome. It's pretty obvious. But who's the author here? Anybody? The Apostle Paul. What was Paul like before he became a Christian? He murdered Christians. Jihad against Christians. It tells us, and I put it on your notes. You can study this on your own. It is amazing. This guy is the Osama bin Laden of his day, persecuting Christians. Tells us in the ninth chapter of Acts, he's breathing out threats and killing Christians. He has an encounter with the, the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and that dude is no longer the same. His life is transformed. He goes from persecuting Christians to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to his death. And he goes on to write scripture. He writes about 13, some say 14 books in the 27 books of the New Testament. Pretty profound. So believe me, this guy is gospel-absorbed, gospel-centered, gospel-focused, that's what this whole book is about. And so the gospel is what my whole life should be about. In fact, I put Matthew 6.33 there in your notes. When your life revolves around the gospel, you're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what that means. And so look at verse 1. Keep your Bibles open. We'll refer back to the text, back and forth between the points and the text. Verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. I just want to focus on that one, those two words, set apart for the gospel of God. What does that mean to be set apart for the gospel? The gospel is so great that you are willing to separate yourself from anything. When you have an encounter with the God of the gospel, you understand the gospel, it gets a hold of your life. It begins to transform your life. The gospel is so great that you're willing to separate yourself from anything, wealth and health and acclaim and friends and safety. 
in order to be faithful to it. You begin to arrange your life around the activities that enable you to live a gospel-centered life. That's what Paul is demonstrating here for us. That's normal Christianity. Now we need to define the word gospel because that's what he says, set apart for the gospel of God. What does that word mean? So turn to the person next to you real quick and see if they know the answer to that question. What does the word gospel mean? Real quick, do that. You guys are awfully quiet. Do you guys know the answer? What does it mean? Good news. And in fact, what's interesting about this, it's good heralders. Good heralders, good newsers, good newsers. This is significant. Got to get this. You got to understand this. You got to be able to know the definition of the gospel. The gospel is not good advice about what you must do to be right with God. The gospel is good news about what God has done to make us right with God. It's not something that you achieve through your efforts and your good works by what you do. It's something that you receive by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's been done for you. That's why it's good heralders. Hey, it's been done for you. Enter into it. Experience it. Know the God of the galaxies. He loves you. They would proclaim the good news. So it's not good advice, it's good news. As a a king goes into battle against an invading army to defend his land, if the king defeats the invading army, he sends back to the capital city good heralders, good newsers with a report that the battle has been won. Therefore, the response would be what? Joy and peace. That would be a normal response to an understanding of the gospel. But if he doesn't defeat the invading army, and the invading army breaks through, the king sends back military advisors to strategize and help you fight for your lives. Every other religion sends military advisors. This is the major difference between every major cult and religion of our world today compared to Christianity. Because there'll be people that have said to me, well, Christianity is just like every other religion in the world. Well, no, it isn't. Obviously, you have never studied it. There's a major distinction between Christianity and every other major cult and religion in our world today. Every other religious system basically sends military advisors they give you what they would call, I don't call it good advice, but they would, it would be called good advice. Good advice of what you must do to be right with God. So they're going to give you a list. JWs do this. Mormons do this. Christian science. Every cult, every religion does this. They have a list of things you must do. You do these things, you're in. You can't do these things, you're out. This is how you... Uh, Appease God. This is how you achieve right standing with God. 
Good advice. The response when you're hitting the list, pride, self-righteousness. You feel really good about yourself. Kind of pharisaical. Or if you're not doing so well, it, it creates fear. Christianity sends messengers, good heralders, good newsers. It's been done for us. We enter into it by grace through faith in Christ. It is out of this world what we have in him. It's absolutely stunningly beautiful. There's nothing better than the gospel. That's why we proclaim it week in and week out here at Desert Breeze. The response should be joy and peace. If you're not living in joy and peace, it's because you're not living in the reality of what Christ has done for you. And you're maybe kind of falling prey to, you know, good advice you're trying to achieve in some way. No, you don't have to achieve it. It's already been achieved for you. You've got it. Now, here's the next one. Got a lot to cover here, so let's keep rolling, okay? Here we go. The gospel is what the whole Bible is about. That's verse 2, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So the Old Testament, New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant, Old Testament promised, predicted our Savior, New Testament presented and proclaimed our Savior. So remember the series that we just went through? You guys remember the series? Okay, three of us, okay. Okay, more than three of us. The greatest story ever told? You get, okay, does that ring a bell? Somebody going, oh, 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 oh. I realize Christmas and all that is just kind of rushed to the end of the, the finish line of the year. It's like, what just happened? I don't know. I'm in a new year now. Okay, yeah. Hang on. This year's going to go pretty fast too. So just get ready. So we just finished up the greatest story ever told. And we kept telling you that the Bible is not a bunch of stories about what you must do to be right with God. You're reading it wrong if you're reading it like that. Like it's a book of morals. You're reading it wrong. It's not a bunch of stories about what you must do to be right with God. It's got a single storyline that tells you what God through his son Christ has done to make us right with him. Remember, it's, uh, we talked about a biblical worldview. So creation, fall, redemption, restoration. This is what Paul's talking about here. This is biblical. What, what we just taught, everything we teach is biblical. And this is what he's talking about here. Greatest story ever told. Look at the next one. The gospel is all about the person and work of, of Jesus. So when your friend says, well, I believe in Jesus, then say, uh, so tell me, what do you believe about in Jesus? What does that mean exactly? Because it's just not some general belief that you believe in Jesus. Jesus is a person, and that person happens to be God in flesh, He's God, deity, which, by the way, most cults and major religions, all of them actually deny the deity of Christ, but he's God who came to rescue us from sin, death, and evil by his death, burial, and resurrection. So the gospel is all about the person and work of Jesus Christ. Look at verses 3 and 4. Concerning his son who has descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness. Now, how do we know that Jesus is God? How do we know that Jesus is God? Drum roll, please. How about this? The resurrection from the dead. He proved that he is God and then he came to do what he said he came to do. He was raised from the dead on the third day. Folks, that's historical. That's factual. That's evidential. Roll up your intellectual sleeves and dive in. There's plenty of evidence giving validity and veracity to the man, Christ Jesus. 
This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. The Apostle Paul had a personal encounter with the resurrected Christ Jesus. When he says he's an apostle, he personally saw Jesus and is sent by Jesus. That's what that means to be an apostle. And so this is important. So the gospel is all about the person and work of Jesus Christ. When you think of the person and work of Jesus Christ, here's two thoughts that should come to mind so that you have the gospel and you have a good understanding of the gospel. You need to have both these thoughts in balance. And here's the first thought. And remember, Jesus came to earth to rescue you, so this is what it says to us. When you look at the cross, that cross up on the wall is telling us that you and I are more sinful than we ever dared to think. We were so sinful, Jesus had to die for us. There's no other way that we can be reconciled to God. That will eliminate in you any kind of pride, any kind of attitude of superiority. When I get around Christians that act superior, they're, they're, they're thinking that somehow they've achieved their right standing with God. They're not thinking clearly. They don't realize how sinful they were and the fact that Jesus had to die for them. So that eliminates any pride. It gives you humility. But don't stop there. This is also the second truth that's important. Not only are you more sinful, but you are more loved than you ever dared to dream. He loved you so much, he wanted to die for you. No one loves you like Jesus. What does that do? That eliminates fear. That gives you a confidence and a courage unlike you've ever experienced before. Humble confidence. And this is how I can always tell when someone's really understanding their lostness and then their foundness is that they have an indescribable, indestructible joy. You see, First Peter, Peter writes to second-generation Christians. He was first-generation because he encountered the risen Christ. But he's writing to second-generation Christians in First Peter 1.8, and he says, though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him now, you believe in him, and you are filled with an indescribable and indestructible joy. There should be times in your life when you're reflecting on the gospel and all the, all the reality of the fact that you're more lost and more found, you're more uh, sinful and more loved than you ever could imagine. And the combination of both of those, when it's taught in balance, will stir up in you. You'll have those moments of this indescribable indestructible joy, indescribable. You can't even put words to it. Oh my goodness. I can't believe I have a relationship with God. He's redeemed me. He's reconciled me. And there should be, it should be indestructible that there's no amount of problems, suffering, and difficulties could ever take that joy away from you. In fact, that's what helps you to get through the difficulties of life. And so when you think of the person and work of Jesus Christ, what is the greatest thing that he could ever do for you? Reconcile you to the Father. What's the greatest thing that he could ever give to you? Relationship with the Father. Now think about that. We can have an intimate relationship with the God of the galaxies, personal, day-to-day, interaction, love, him speaking to our heart. We're sharing our lives with him. He fills us with his presence. I'm telling you, nothing like it. And it's all through the person and work of Jesus Christ. This is what it will do in us. The gospel leads to obedience and faith. That's the next one. Obedience and faith. Look at verses 5 and 6. Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. Faith. When you think of faith, always think of reconciliation and relationship. Think of the gospel. Think of putting your faith in Christ. You have relationship with him. And obviously that relationship is going to bring about obedience. 
for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. So the, the root is faith, the fruit is obedience. And then the gospel is about being loved, called, and blessed with grace and peace. That's your next fill in the blank. So this is his greeting. This is Paul's greeting. I mean, talk about uh, gospel fluent. Listen to what he says here. Verse 7, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. When was the last time you said that to your friends? Hey, do, do you know you're loved by God? How about spouses? My wife and I share kind of, we're, we're very gospel fluent, and so we share these truths back and forth with each other. You need to do this. It's really important. Man, hey, did you know, do you know how much God loves you? We, we would tell our kids, I still tell my kids from time to time, and I'll tell my grandkids, man, I love you like crazy, but I don't even come close to how much God loves you. He loves you even more so than I could ever love you. See, this is what Paul is saying. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Do you hear what he's saying when he says called to be saints? Hey, hey, listen, he's contending for your greatness. He's called you. He's invited you to experience healing, health, and wholeness. That's what sanctification means. He's called you to be a saint. He's called you to take on the holiness that he has. Oh, my goodness, and that's a great way to live. There's not a better way to live than, than that life. See, we need to hear that from our friends from time to time. That's just being gospel fluent. He just said, man, God loves you like crazy. Man, do you understand the life that he's invited you to? It doesn't look like you're living it right now, and I want to help you. And I want to live it too because I don't often live it because I got this gospel gospel amnesia happening in my life. I've got this gospel gap happening, so please, let's help each other with that. That's what he's doing. That's his greeting. But he doesn't end it there. Look what he says. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is Paul's typical greeting, grace and peace, grace and peace. Okay, turn to the person next to you to answer this question. Why does grace always precede peace? He never flips the order. Why does grace proceed peace? Real quick, do that. Do that. <clears throat> okay, what are you guys thinking? You can't have peace without grace. Got it. Nailed it. Right on. To the degree you understand you have his grace. What is his grace? Unmerited favor. It's, it's more, it, I mean, it's even more than that. It's that God is for you. He's not against you. He has your best interest at heart. He loves you like no, nobody loves you. And if you understand that, to the degree you understand that, you're going to have a peace. Not only a peace with God because of his grace, but you're going to have the peace of God that rules your heart and mind in Christ Jesus in all circumstances. Because you're going to live in the reality of the fact, wait a minute, if he's for me and not against me, then he's greater than all my highs and lows, yep, 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 then that means that I can have confidence in his loving, wise care of my life regardless of the circumstances. Yes, yes, you've got it. That's what he's saying here. Okay, a life transformed by the gospel will revolve around the gospel. Okay, that's, that's what he has there in verses 1 through 7. And if your life is revolving around the gospel, you will reveal the gospel in word and deed. That's verses 8 through 15. Now, we know what real love is, not by our culture, because our culture is one jacked up culture when it comes to real love. 
I mean, it's just, it's just crazy and insane how people define love. But we know what real love is because God, because Jesus gave up his life for us, 1 John 3, 16. And because he gave up his life for us, then we are so filled up with him, want to give up our life for others. That's how that works. And so when, when, when I, my life revolves around the gospel, when I'm gospel-centered, when I'm living in the reality of the gospel, it's natural that I'm going to reveal the gospel in word and deed in my life. See, if you experience God's love, it is impossible for you to not express that love to others. You have to express that love to others. Otherwise, you're not living in the reality of his love for you. The experience of God's love will result in the expression of God's love bringing joy to not only you, but to, to those that you love. Now, here's your next fill in the blank. The gospel can be mutually encouraging by sharing our faith with one another. Let me show you that in verses 8 through 12. So this is what Paul is wanting to do with these folks. And uh, as I read this, think about your small groups and the friends and family that you get together with regularly and see if this defines your heart. Uh, towards them. So he says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because, of your, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. So he's just really encouraging them. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you. Man, I pray about you guys all the time, always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Now, here's the two key verses, verses 11 and 12. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, let me ask you this. When you get together with your small group or your friends and family, is there that sense that there's this mutual encouragement as you are gospel fluent in sharing your faith with one another, that it stirs your heart? Your appetite for Christ increases because you, you've hung out with these folks, and theirs has increased because they, they hung out with you. I was... Uh, in the hallway last night getting ready to teach, and Mark Ryder, who leads our security team, Mark Ryder and his wife, he told me the story that he got held up, him and his wife got held up at gunpoint at Westgate on Christmas Day. And it was, it was dark, I guess he was going out to his car, they came out with gunpoint, and so he began to share with me last night the supernatural power of God intervening on him and his wife during that situation. That he said him and his wife experienced an overwhelming peace during that time when their lives were at gunpoint and being threatened. He said, we had an unbelievable, we talked about it later, and we go, we were just at peace, and we were almost kind of able to disarm and de-escalate the situation as we were talking, and eventually the, the intruders, the perpetrators, ran away from them. Wow. And uh, they were kind of both blown away by the event that happened in their life. And as he was sharing that with me, oh my goodness, my faith began to, to rise. Yeah, you have the Holy Spirit with you. You can face crazy circumstances like that, and God's with you even in the midst of that. They were able to respond to that in, in a way that was just God-glorifying. They didn't get hurt. They ran off, the, the, the perpetrators. It was 
kind of crazy. And just him sharing that story with me was, I mean, it lit up my faith. I mean, he began, I go, yeah, yeah, God was with you guys. He began, to, he began to share a little bit of what that meant and what was going on in his life during that time. That's what Paul's talking about here in verses 11 and 12. Now, I, I got it. I know, I know. You're, you're politically fluent. You watch the news a lot. Probably should cut back on that a little bit, okay? But you talk too much about that. I know some of you do. I got it. I got it. You're, got, you're politically fluent. Some of you are football fluent. I like that. I can talk football. I don't know what I'm going to do when the season's over. I can still talk football, I guess. But I can talk football. Some of you can talk food. You've told me about your favorite restaurants. I can talk about my favorite restaurants. Some of you are work fluent. You're, you're leisure fluent. But let me ask you this. Are you gospel fluent? You talk about the difference that Christ has made in your life to your family and friends. Do you look for opportunity when you're talking politics to say, hey, you know what? I know, I know we've talked a lot about politics. Let me tell you a little bit about what Jesus means to me and the difference he's made in my life and how much I love him and how much he loves me and how much he loves you and the difference he wants to make in your life. And we don't need to get all stressed out over these politics and we don't need to get all stressed out over our football team, the Cardinals, who looked really bad this year. We can just chill. We can relax. Yeah, it's fun. That's entertainment. No big deal. Gospel's a whole lot more important. You understand what I'm saying? Are you gospel fluent? See, true love is the overflow of joy in Christ that gladly meets the needs of others. What's the greatest need of your family and friends? What is the most important thing people need apart from the basics of life? The basics of life such as cell phones and name brand clothes and cool cars and cable TV. You guys know I'm joking. No, the basics of life. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.24. Not that we lorded over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. I want you to stand firm in your faith. I want to stir your heart for Christ. I want you to know Christ. I want you to know how he's transforming my life and how he can continue to transform your life. You become gospel fluent. I read this book a number of years ago. It's called Gospel Fluency, Speaking the Truths of Jesus into the Everyday Stuff of Life. It's by Jeff Vanderstelt. This is what he says. Gospel fluent people think, feel, and perceive everything in light of what has been accomplished in the person and work of Jesus Christ. It sounds like a, a biblical, world, uh, biblical world perspective, uh, biblical worldview as we talked about in the last series. That's a biblical worldview. They see the world differently, they think differently, they feel differently. When they are listening to people, they are thinking, how is this in line with the truths of the gospel? What about Jesus and his work might be good news to this person today? How can I bring hope, the hope of the gospel, to bear on this life or situation so this person might experience salvation and Jesus will be glorified? See, that's being gospel fluent. When you get together with people, you should be thinking, yeah, you know what? It's cool that you talk sports, but man, you got to be talking more than that. Otherwise, this doesn't benefit your friends and family to be talking politics, sports, food, work, play, whatever it might be. Man, talk about Jesus. Talk about what he's doing in your life, what he wants to do in their life. You become more and more gospel fluent. It's not parenting advice that makes us better parents, but the gospel on how our Father in heaven parents rebels like us, 
that makes us better parents. It goes back to the gospel. Yeah, I could give you some parenting advice. But man, your heart needs to be transformed by the gospel. How God parents you, you little rebel. Yeah. And, and, and the difference that makes in your life. It's not communication, conflict, resolution skills. Matt and Deborah do a great job with that. But they also know it's got to be more than that. It's more than communication, conflict, resolution skills that make you better spouses. But it's the gospel of Christ, unconditional, relentless, spousal love for us that makes us better spouses. It's not sermons on money that make you generous as much as the gospel of the extravagant generosity of the Father in giving His Son for us. Oh my goodness, that's what we need. We need the gospel. You might be saying, well, I, I just want to be able to minister to messed up people. Well, just think about how God ministers to you, and then you'll be able to minister to messed up people because you're pretty messed up. And when you understand how he relates to you, then the gospel begins to overflow your life as you minister to others as a result of being gospel-centered. You become gospel-fluent in direct proportion to how much your heart is filled up with what he's doing in, in your life. Here's the next one. The gospel can both reach seekers and build believers. Look at verses 13 through 15. This is what he's saying. By the way, I'm showing you a little bit of the philosophy of Desert Breeze. This is what we, we believe week in and week out. That's why we proclaim the gospel week in and week out, because it can reach seekers, unbelievers, and build believers in the same service. Look at verses 13 through 15. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have not been, but have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. In other words, I want you to be benefited, those of you that are believers, but I also want to reach unbelievers with this gospel message. I am under obligation. That's a big phrase, under obligation. What does that mean? Both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Barbarians would be Raider fans. <laughs> Sorry. I know we got a few Raider fans in the house. Barbarians. Both to the wise and the foolish. The wise would be 49er fans and the foolish would be Cardinal fans. Sorry about that. They've had a rough year. Okay? So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. He says under obligation. What does that mean? If you had the cure for cancer, you could cure all cancer on this planet. It would be criminal if you kept that to yourself. You didn't share that. When he says I'm under obligation, he knows he has something bigger and better than any cure that we could ever come up with as humankind. We have the cure to man's deepest needs and problems. All human problems are ultimately symptoms, and our separation from God is the cause, and the gospel is the solution. That's what he's talking about here. So, so let me ask you this. Do you ever experience the joy of his presence? Share that with your friends. Do you experience the joy of his presence? I do. Be gospel fluent. Talk about his presence. How much joy you experience. You ever experience the comfort of his love? Share that. Do you ever experience the strength of his power or the significance of being called a child of God? Share that. Tell people about what you have in Christ. Tell them they can experience the same thing. 
Some of you as parents need to tell your kids, you need to pass this on to your kids. Our kids aren't getting the gospel like they should because we're not gospel fluent. So you might need to share with them, hey kids, uh, your mom and dad, we would have killed ourselves a long time ago if it hadn't been for the gospel. Share with them the gospel, the difference the gospel is making in your life. I, I read another book a number of years ago that really solidified really our whole philosophy of church here at Desert Breeze. It was called Gospel-Centered Churches versus Attractional Churches. How many are familiar with the idea of, of seeker churches, that idea of seeker, seeker focus, seeker, seeker whatever? It was big in the last few decades. They still exist. They're called attractional churches. And listen, I'm not down on these churches but research evidence history shows uh, that though they may attract a lot of people, they are not very effective in helping people to become fully devoted followers of Christ over the long haul. I've done the research. I've looked at it. I've seen it. I've interacted with people in those churches. And I'm not down on them. I, I know a pastor who's a great guy, but it's an it's a attractional church. That's their whole philosophy. He says that's what their philosophy is. And so attractional churches are where the gospel is either missing, peripheral, or occasional, or incidental. By the way, this not only happens in attractional churches, but I've seen it happen in charismatic churches or Pentecostal churches, because they'll go beyond the gospel. They think, no, no, we've got to go beyond the gospel. We've got to go something deeper. Well, there's nothing deeper than the gospel. The, deeper, the gospel gets deeper into us. That's certainly a work of the Holy Spirit. I've also seen that in Bible teaching churches where they just fill you up with a lot of information and it puffs you up. Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. 1 Corinthians 8.1. So you can be all puffed up with information about the Bible and not know the God of the Bible and be filled up with his love and have a love for others. What did you miss? You missed the gospel. So let's go back to attractional churches. Attractional churches are consumeristic, have consumeristic values and pragmatic methodology and therefore win consumers and pragmatists. What you win them with is what you win them to. If they aren't won by the gospel of Christ, that is the gospel, they aren't won to the, the glory of Christ, the gospel. See, we're not a perfect church, but we want to be a healthy church. Healthy churches will be gospel-centered and help you to grow in your affection and esteem for Christ and His Word. This will produce in you an obvious humble confidence and an evident love for God, a ferocious love for God and others. Services will be built around beholding who Christ is and what He has done. 2 Corinthians 3.18. It's in the beholding of His glory we become whole. And that will empower you to be what He's called you to be and to do what He's called you to do. Here's the scary thing that I've seen. I've been a Christian my whole life. I've been around the church my whole life. This is what I've seen. I've seen where one generation believes the gospel, and if the next generation assumes the gospel, the third generation will deny the gospel. I'm seeing that happen right now in many churches, in many families, in, in this generation. When you assume the gospel, if it's missing or peripheral or occasional or incidental, if you're not talking gospel to your kids, they're not going to get it. You're just assuming it. You've got to share your heart. Share with them what God is doing in your life. That's, that's part of it. Okay. Woo! I am lit up. I'm just warming up. This is my third one. You'd have thought I'd blown out my, voc my vocal cords, but no way. So a life transformed by the gospel will revolve around the gospel, will reveal the gospel in word and deed. 
Now, the gospel in a nutshell. This is good. This is important. Here's the characteristics of the gospel. The gospel destroys shame. One of the reasons why we hide and hurl, remember Genesis 3, we just talked about it in the last series. Adam and Eve sinned. They had spiritual alienation that created psychological alienation. They began to hide. They were naked and felt a ton of shame because they didn't have the glory that only comes to them from God. And so shame causes us to hide from one another, and then we blame shift. We blame our problems on anything and everything other than take responsibility for our lives. But the gospel destroys shame. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. So this is how it works its way out in our life. In Luke 6.45, Jesus said that it is out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. So we tend to talk about what we most love. So we talk about what we love. What comes out of your mouth displays what is in it and has captured your heart. What comes out of your heart you know, is displayed through your language, through your communication. So let me ask you, do you talk about Jesus? Has he captured your heart? Do you love him? Or are you ashamed to tell people, I love Jesus? If you are, you need an encounter with the gospel. You need a breakthrough. I'm telling you, you will not be ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. When you come to know and experience the sacrificial love of Christ, that he loved you so much that he was willing to die for you, to rescue you from sin, death, and evil, and he did that while you were his enemy. And then he brings you and makes you his friend and fills you with his presence, power, and peace. Oh, my goodness, if that's true and you're experiencing that, you can't contain it. You can't keep quiet about it. The gospel gives you a boldness and a courage and a confidence in Christ that is unshakable in the storms of life. It's unoffendable. People criticize you. You don't care. You have all the approval of God. It's like, bring it on. Criticize me all you want. Disown me. Forget me. He loves me. He's embraced me. He approves of me. In fact, the gospel message will make you unstoppable. You will run to the finish line until he gets you home because you're so lit up over the gospel. The gospel is a living force. It's power. That's your next fill in the blank. For it is the power of God. Christ is greater than all our highs and lows. No sin or suffering is a match for his redeeming grace. The gospel can save anyone at all. It's scope for salvation to everyone. If you ever think of any person or situation as hopeless, then you don't understand the power and the scope of the gospel. If you look at your own life as being hopeless, you don't understand the scope and the power of the gospel. The gospel saves only those believing. Here's its condition. Who believes? Belief is more than agreement with facts in the head. It's an appetite for God in the heart that exceeds all appetites. It's more than agreement of facts of who Christ is and what he's done. Man, I'm telling you, it'll get a hold of your heart. Nothing will satisfy your soul. Nothing will transform your life. Nothing will heal your deepest wounds like the gospel. And then the the gospel came um, to the Jew first and then the Gentile. That's the history. So starting the Old Testament, God blessed the Jewish people so that then they would be a blessing to the world. Through their lineage came the Messiah. And so here's the content of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5.21 
Speaking of Jesus, he who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus, became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So look at this. God provides a perfect righteousness and record for us. Next couple, fill in the blanks. Righteousness is right standing, relationship with God. We're going to spend this book talking about this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but you just need to have a basic understanding of it. It is a legal act of God by which all my sin is transferred to Christ's account, past, present, future, all my sin, and all Christ's righteousness is transferred to my account. It is more than forgiveness, but a whole new status before God. Forgiveness says you may go, you are free from the penalty of sin. Righteousness says you may come into all my love, presence, and provision. Folks, that is out of this world, what we have. It is received by faith permanently and exclusively. So this is how you receive it. If you've never received it before, this is how you do it. ABCs. A, you acknowledge that your sin separates you from God. B, you believe that Christ died in your place for your sins to reconcile you back to the Father. C, confess Him as Lord and Savior. Give your life to Him. Live your life for Him. You can do that by prayer through faith. This morning, I would invite you to do that. Most important decision you'll make. I've never heard anybody that made that decision that said, I regret making that decision. I've never heard that. Most of them would say, I wish I would have made that decision earlier. I am so thankful I made that choice and I'm following Jesus to this day. I've never been the same. And so faith is not a feeling, a force, or a formula, but you enter into fellowship, friendship with God. Friendship with God is our highest privilege and pleasure in life. Knowing Him, walking with Him, enjoying Him, experiencing Him, nothing like it. Here's the last one. The result of reception is a new way of life. That's your last fill in the blank. Now, I got a chunk of information here. I'm just going to read through it. You need to grab notes. If you didn't take notes this morning, grab some notes on the way out. Take them with you. And you need to go over this stuff. I'm telling you, what I'm about to tell you is revolutionary to how you live the Christian life. People typically fall prey to two extremes in the Christian life. I see churches do this. I see individuals do this. I see families do this. And the two extreme, the two thieves that will rob you of the power of the gospel is moralism, which is legalism, and antinomianism. Antinomianism means anti-law or liberalism. Both of those are rampant in American Christianity. You need to be aware of that. So moralism, legalism, I obey, therefore God accepts me. That's truth minus grace. His blessings are conditional. That's what they would preach. Antinomianism is liberalism. God accepts me, therefore I don't have to obey. This is grace minus truth. The, the, his blessings are unconditional. Here's gospel liberty. God accepts me in Christ, therefore I want to obey. That's grace plus truth. So here's my question for you. Big question. You can answer it out loud if you got it. Are his blessings conditional, legalism, or unconditional, liberalism? The answer is yes, both, both. Why? Because on the cross, Jesus completely fulfilled the conditions of the law so that God could love you completely unconditionally. Woo! Praise God for that. All four of us are excited this morning. I'm telling you. <laughs> I know you're more excited than what you're showing right now. I know you are. And so this is, this is important. So, so this leads to, when you understand the gospel, this leads to paradoxical obedience. I take sin seriously and avoid it like crazy because it's very destructive and is why Jesus died. But if, 
And when I do sin, I don't fall into condemnation or despair because it is why Jesus died. I run to Jesus because he's sanctifying my life. He's making me more and more whole. I, I'm not sinless, but I sin less as he's working in my life. As I'm walking with him, he's bringing about wholeness in my life. That's what he does. 1 John 1, 8 through 9. The thing that most assures you that you have unconditional acceptance and identity because of what Jesus has done is the thing that most motivates you to want to live for his glory. Oh my goodness. Man, take that, meditate on it, reflect on it. It will change your life. It will change your life. Hey, I'm not into New Year's resolutions, but I'm into gospel transformation. And I'm telling you, Book of Romans is going to turn your life right side up. It's going to transform your life as we study it this year. And the gospel is going to get a hold of your life, and you're going to have a breakthrough. How many would say, just by show of hands, you got an area or two in your life that you need a breakthrough in 2023? Show of hands, show of hands. Okay, there's hands all over this place. Hands all over this place. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. So, Father God, you see every hand that was raised. You know every heart in this place. We thank you, God, for the power of the gospel to transform every person's life that places their faith in the person and work of Jesus. We are full of gratitude that there is no sin or suffering that is a match for your redeeming, restoring grace. Whether it be past hurts or present habits and hang-ups, whether it be problems physically, emotionally, relationally, financially, or spiritually. We pray for a spiritual breakthrough in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name, all for your glory. May we experience an ongoing change as the truths of the gospel are brought to bear on our thoughts, our beliefs, our emotions, and actions, transforming us into greater Christ-likeness every day. For we are not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. We pray these things in Jesus' beautiful name. And everyone said, Amen. amen. Love you guys. I'm up front here along with any available elders and leaders. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. If you're new, we'd love to meet you. If you've got questions, we'd love to answer those questions for you. Next weekend, you can't save yourself. Romans 1, 18 through 32. See you next weekend. Love you guys.